Hello, and welcome to the City Grace Podcast. We're so happy you've decided to join us today as we learn how amazing it is to follow Jesus. Enjoy the message. I'm excited today to talk about this this concept of finding your circle. And by way of introduction, uh, how many here are on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that? Can you raise your hand? Yeah, no, everybody's scared to raise, it's not a trick. I promise I'm not going to call you up front, you know, anything. Yeah, there's a lot of hands going up after I said it wasn't a trick, but uh, it's good to see everybody. But you ever notice that some of your friends put way too much info out on Facebook? I mean, they are airing some dirty laundry, like, you know, keep that back inside, you know, and and people do this and and then people kind of get, you know, likes right? People get liked for this. People get, you know, the thumbs up thing, the, the laughing emoticon, and people tell people, you know, that's right, keep it real, right? Somebody might say, yeah, I'm, I'm sharing all this because I'm trying to keep it 100. Did I say that right? My kids aren't in here, right? I know they're embarrassed already. They're, they're over there, and they're already embarrassed of me. They didn't even hear it, but but there, there's something going on in our society and in, in our culture that we don't want to be fake. Like fakeness, I mean the whole fake news thing and everything else, right? We just don't want to be fake. Nobody wants to be caught being fake. And so we've actually begun to value authenticity kind of over everything. Even broken, dirty laundry authenticity we have started valuing over everything. You ever notice that our superheroes now, they all have like these dark and, and shadowy pasts. They've all got these addictions and these things. I mean, that's the cool thing now. All the new Marvel comic reboots that are out there, you know. I got kids and they're not into it, so I'm really looking into it for myself. But you see all these new Marvel comic reboots and everybody's got this, this addiction. Everybody, you know, I'm a superhero, but I'm an alcoholic. I'm a superhero, but I can't control myself, can't control my rage. You know, superheroes don't wear, you know, the white hats and the black hats like they used to in the old cowboy westerns and that kind of stuff. Why? Because we value authenticity, quote unquote, over everything. And so we know even our imaginary superheroes, like they can't be perfect, like because nobody's perfect. So we're even going to make our imaginary superheroes a little bit less than perfect so that we all can relate to our superheroes. And if you were like me back in the 80s, I mean, we wore their underwear because we wanted to be like them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That got really quiet when I said that. That one wasn't a slip of the tongue. I really meant it. Like, nobody remembers underoos? If you remember underoos, can you say woot woot? All right. The rest of y'all are just too embarrassed to admit it. You wore it too. Don't, come on. But, you know, what happened is, like, it seems like my generation, our whole generation, we grew up and we found that we could never be perfect And so what we did is instead of kind of keeping our superheroes at a level that we wanted to climb and aspire to be like them, instead what we did is we just changed it. We just brought them down to our broken and imperfect level. Does that feel wrong to anybody else? Like, I mean, you know, we're making our superheroes. Like, do I really want my, as a dad, do I really want my kids to try to, you know, idolize or aspire to be like this superhero that has a really hard time controlling his, his rage or can't really control when he gets his drink on. You know, it's another cool thing I was going to put in there. And 
My kids are going to make fun of me later. But, you know, and, and then the really pressing question as a dad, do I really want my kid to grow up wearing his underwear outside of his pants? Because all the superheroes seem to do that. And it's, I don't know why. And so, you know, just the Avengers movie's coming out this weekend, so I thought I'd talk about superheroes. But it seems like more and more of us in our society, and we just, maybe it's not more and more of us, maybe just social media is kind of putting it out there more. But it seems like more and more of us are, are really getting confused about what to value. Like, what do we value? Because we know that we're not perfect, you know, but what do we value? How do we, you know, reconcile that gap, right, between who we really are and who we wish we were and maybe who people see us as? And we're trying to figure out how to move forward and how to navigate all that. And so we're just opting, it seems like, as a society to just share our brokenness because, hey, maybe at least I'll be valued for being authentic, which means that ultimately, if you think about the whole thing, we all want to be valued for something. That's what's behind it all. We all want to be liked for something. We want to get the upvotes and the thumbs up, and we want our post to be shared 500 times and all this stuff, and it never gets shared 500 times. And I'm a pastor. Shouldn't that count for some? Like, I can't get more than like two shares, and, and y'all need to step your share game up because I'm putting stuff out there, and it's pretty funny sometimes, but we're chasing this stuff. And then I could take it past social media, you know, all the... 50 and 45 plus year old men are sitting out there. I'm not on social media, but then you got like an old car in your garage that's costing you thousands of dollars every year because you want to be valued for having an authentic car with original parts. The new parts are better. Just admit it. You won't admit it. I know you won't. It's in the neighborhoods we choose. It's in the hairstyles that we wear. I don't think there's any question that if I was to sit here and pick it apart and come at every age group and, and every background and kind of come at it from different angles, I could get us all to the point where we admitted that we all want to be known and be liked for something. And so the question that I want to talk about today is, it's not really you know, this idea of do we want to be known and liked. I think we'd all get to the point where we'd admit we want to be known, we want to be liked, we want to be valued. But the question that we really have to ask ourselves is, what do we want to be known and valued for? And yes, I ended that sentence with a preposition. I want to be known and valued for having correct grammar but it just sounded so pretentious to write this the other way. So, you know, what do we want to be known and valued for? I also text with full punctuation, which my daughter told me is not cool, but I do it, you know. So, so here, here's what we're gonna do. In transparency this morning, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna share with you some things that I want to be known and liked for, and then we're gonna start right here in the front row, and we're gonna pass the mic, and then you... No, we're not gonna do that, don't worry. <laughs> Everybody in the front's wishing they were in the back right now. Just you, People can't even see your face and you just blushed. So, you know, but, but we do. We, we all want to be known and, and, and liked and valued for something. And so I'm going to share with you something that my whole life I've kind of struggled with and wanted to be known. And like I always wanted to be cool. And I am so not cool. Growing up, we were broke, huh, Jason? We were broke growing up. We had the knockoff BMX bikes. 
They were like 3WK instead of BMX, you know, just kind of, they made the graphics look like it was BMX. I mean, we were broke. And that's not because my parents are bad people. My parents, it turns out, were incredible people. I mean, they poured all of their life and, and stuff into building a church in this kind of faith community that we're enjoying today. And, you know, applause to my parents. They're not here today. They're on vacation. And man, they deserve it. My parents are awesome, awesome people. Yeah. They're going to be celebrating 45 years of marriage this year. They raised one amazing kid and my brother, and just they're just amazing, amazing people. But I always wanted to be cool, and we were not cool. I was not cool. I was always overweight. That's not cool back in my day. Nowadays, you can't say that. I can still say it because I'm still part of the club, and especially in my childhood days, that was not cool to be overweight. I was never the wide receiver. I was always the lineman. I, I just, you know, I had zero fashion sense. And then there was the hair. Uh. Y'all thought I married out of my league? Chelsea married out of her league. Come on, somebody. In sixth grade with a turtleneck. Mm. Mm. I have never been, I've never been the cool kid. Look at me. I was the devilishly handsome kid, but I was never the cool, I was the turtleneck kid for a season, but I was never the cool kid. And I, I do things and I so want to be cool. And my kids inform me regularly that, Dad, you are not. You know, you look back at all of the cool icons in history, right? Like James Dean. The only thing I have in common with James Dean is I really like their breakfast sausage. And that's just, that's it. But we just, we all want to be known for something. But what do we want to be? I'm going to take that picture down. What do we want to be known and liked for? And then I'm getting older now, right? And so I, now I'm starting to actually think with, you know, the other half of my brain. Thank you, Jesus. And, and I, I want to be a great husband. That's what I want to be known and liked for. And man, Chelsea has so outpaced me in that she just walked in the door. What's up, babe? Mm. Babe, remember this? How you doing? <laughs> but as I get older, as I get older, I want to be known as a great husband. I do, and Chelsea has so outpaced me, and and, and man, I, I just I, I I owe her so much extra effort, and and you know I really do, Chell, and 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 she's just awesome. I, I want to be known as a great dad. I want my kids to love my home. Now, if you're a parent, listen, you need to get that as a goal of yourself. Your kids need to love your home. When your kids have a choice of going out with their friends or being home with you guys, if you're not making that the kind of place that they love to be, they're going to leave. They're going to go. Make your kids love your home. I want my kids to know the real me and to like the very uncool me. I want to be known for that. I want to be known. Chelsea and I lately, we've been talking and we really want to be known for being generous. And I'm not saying that in terms of money, because if I was just talking about money, I wouldn't be known by very many people. But I, I want to be generous. We want to be generous with our lives. We want to be generous with our living room and our kitchen and our, our dining room table and, and this kind of thing. We want people to, to be with us and to live life with us. We want to share our time with people. 
Whatever money you give away, give away to people, you're always gonna get more money to replace it. But whatever time you give away to people, you will never ever get back, which means that your time is the most valuable thing you can share with somebody and show them that you love them. You don't have to be rich to be generous. You have to be generous to be generous. And so that's, those are some of the things that I want to be known for. But what about you? What do you want to be known for? What do you want people to think of when people think of you? Think of all the things that you share and all of the things that you hide maybe and all of the money that you spend. Think of all the, the time that you spend. Think of all your, you, you know, your guilty pleasures and the things that you protect and cover up or maybe the things that you just, you just share and declare, like you're just putting it out there for everything. It's an important question. What do you want people to think of when people think of you? And then whatever that ideal is, whatever those adjectives are, when you look at that and then look at yourself, when I look at those things that I wanna be and then look at myself, what do we do when we don't measure up to, you know, what do you do when you don't measure up to you? What do I do when I don't measure up to that ideal version of myself? And you probably do what I do. We pretend, right? We, we fake it. We make excuses for why we are not what we think we should be. Anybody ever made an excuse for yourself? Anybody ever yelled at the kids and said, well, that was just, you know, I was just hungry, you know? Anybody ever been late to work and you said, well, I got a flat tire and you didn't get a flat tire. You know, don't admit that in church. It's something you got to repent of later, but whatever. Like we, we do, we do things that we wish we didn't do. And then for all of our bad behavior, we make excuses, you ever notice that nobody makes an excuse for good behavior, right? Like nobody gives to the Oakland Children's Hospital and says it was just a phase. You know, like you don't do that. If you do something good, you're proud of it. You put it on Facebook so people can like it, even though it may not be authentic, right? And so in all of this, if you think about what we present to people and what we let people see and what we cover up and hide or the things that we kind of magnify bigger than maybe they really are. If you think about it, we are kind of curators of our own self-image. We are very careful about what self-image we put out there. But here's the thing. If we are managing our image, that makes us imaginary. If you are managing your image, then it makes you imaginary. If you are one thing on the inside, but people only see what you put on the outside and that is something completely different than what people are seeing is an imaginary person. They're not really seeing you. And if this is how you roll, then it's impossible for you to have genuine relationships and you won't have real friendships and you won't have a real and lasting marriage and you may not even have a great relationship with your adult kid because you're not living a real life. We are curating and carefully crafting what we present to the people around us. And we can't have genuine relationships unless we are genuine ourselves. But we can't be genuine if there are parts of us that are so broken and embarrassing that we keep hiding them behind a facade. And then here's the danger of that. Here's what this leads us to. This is a really bad part. We, when we start pretending, we stop improving. When we start pretending, we stop improving. This is why spandex is so popular. 
Some of y'all need a newsflash. <laughs> Maybe it's not. This is why I plan on growing a beard at some point. Not because I think it's fashionable, but because it's easier to hide my double chin that way than to lose weight. When we start pretending, we stop improving. We're getting older, but we're not getting any better. We gain, we gain volume, but we don't gain value. We acquire things, but we don't acquire virtue. And we all have this pressure to pretend. We all have this pressure to cover up the holes and the gaps, you know, the, the, the distance between who we really are and who we really hope people see us as. And none of us are exempt from this pressure to pretend. Parents, you know this. You're always on when you're around your kids. You don't want to lose your moral authority with your kids, so you pretend. That's why the very first parent came up with this beautiful phrase that I absolutely love, because I said so. Anybody ever said that to your kid? Yeah, because I said, there is some hidden knowledge that you do not have, youngster. And so just trust me, it's because I said so. And inside you're thinking, man, I hope they don't figure out that I really have no clue what's going on. So because I, you're pretending, employees, you don't want to be the first name on the layoff list. So every time your boss walks by, you are busy. Come on, you were just reading a magazine. I don't even know how you hit the magazine and picked the broom up that quick, but you did. You're like the next Houdini with that stuff. And bosses, you don't want to lose the respect of your employees, so you just kind of stay quiet, right? But we just, we all have holes in our wholeness, right? We all have gaps in who we really are and who we wish we could be. And, and so we, we pretend and we explain things away and we cover things up. And here's the thing about pretending, the really bad part, because we're all here today. Where is the place where we pretend the best, Mm, church, church. Come on, turn to somebody, point a finger and say pretender. Look at you, dressed all nice, smell all good, holding hands when you walk through the door. You look employed, successful, and happy. Everybody thinks you have the house, the car, and the 2.5 kids. Fact is, when you were driving to church, you were yelling at those kids, weren't you? Your jaw came unhinged and it looked like you were going to swallow them whole. Yelling at them, right? You threatened to take away toys. You threatened to put them on timeout. You threatened to put them up for adoption. Then you get out the car and it's a praise the Lord, brother. So good to see you. Oh, little Johnny. Come on, yelling at the husband, yelling at the wife. Where are my socks? I don't know where your socks are. I don't wear them. Find your own socks. Where are my keys in your hand? Shut up. Just, just, you, guys, you guys are laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? But once you get to church, mm. praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. Welcome to everybody and Godspeed to all. You know, I'm too blessed to be stressed, somebody, at this moment in time. But don't ask me about 10 minutes ago. But I am here. <laughs> but we pretend everywhere, especially at church. We pretend. Why in the world do we pretend? Pretend. 
because we're afraid they're going to kick us out the church if they knew what we were really like. But really, we are so worried that people aren't going to like us if they know the real us, if they see the gaps in our self-image, if they see the holes in our wholeness. And here's the part where I want to poke a little bit, and this is going to seem like a really ugly thing to say at first, but think about it, okay? If people don't know what you are really like, they don't really like you. If people don't know what you're really like, they don't like you because they don't know you. They don't really know who you are. All they know is your carefully curated image of yourself. All they know is Facebook you. All they know is Instagram you, superficial you, all of the adjectives that you are careful to present. And you might be here today, and it very well may be, and this sounds like a really bad thing to say, but you might be here today, and nobody really likes you because not enough people really know you. And we're always on We always have the guard up. We always have the facade raised. And it's not until we let the right people know who we really are. It's not until we find somebody with whom we can be completely transparent that we know when we show them the real us, they are not going to run away, but in fact, they are going to love us and challenge us and encourage us to be the best possible version of ourselves. Until we find that, we will never get better. And we will live in this constant stress of making sure people don't see behind the scenes and we will run ourselves into the ground, maintaining a pretend version of ourselves. And Americans are more lonely than ever, even though through Facebook, we're more connected than ever. We drive home, drive into the garage, shut the garage door, go inside, hop on the TV or Facebook all night long, never have real interactions. We're lonely, we're isolated, we're, we're fake when people come around us, and we can't change. We can't change because we don't have enough people that really know the real us. There was a pastor in New York City, and um, I read a lot of his books. I like this guy, and his name's Tim Keller, but he had this quote, and I think it is so powerful. He said, to be loved but not known is superficial, If you have people that love you, but they don't really know you, that's just superficial. To be known and not loved, that's our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is what it is like to be loved by God. There is someone who sees behind all of the facade. There is someone who sees behind all of the pretend. There is someone who knows your very worst moment of your very worst day, and he knows whether or not that has even happened in the story of your life. And yet in our brokenness and in our pretension and in all of that stuff that we just wish we weren't, still he loves us. He has a love that's not like anybody else's love. He has a love that is and rich and it's powerful and there's nothing that can ever turn him away from real you from fake you from you from me to be fully known and to be truly loved is what it's like to be loved by God it's what it's like to be loved by God so what we really need even though we think that we want to be known for something what we really need is to be loved by some someones. This is what we really need. Someone that knows us 
for who we are and loves us anyway. We need relationships where we can drop the pretend, honest and authentic relationships where we can kind of lose the cool and lose the courageous and lose the, you know, the facade that we got it all together and it's all on fleek. Uh, another one I thought I'd But it just can't be any relationship. It can't just be anybody that you let know who the real you is. It has to be the kind of someone. It has to be the kind of relationship where they, where they will not reject you or push you away or kick you to the curb once they find out who you really are. But it has to be a relationship with someone who will accept you and love you, and embrace you. And here's the thing that I really want us to see. It has to be a relationship where they are comfortable challenging us to be the best version of ourselves. Can I hear a good amen from somebody? You don't need a superficial relationship. You need someone that will tell you like it is, but love you anyway, and help you to change. Once again, tell somebody close to you, you need that. You need that. But here's the thing. We can find lots of relationships where we're accepted with all of our flaws. But where can we find relationships where we are accepted with our flaws, but yet encouraged to become that kind of whole person that we wish we were? And even as I say that, some of you are checking out because I know it, it, it changes tough. I mean, change is hard, right? And you've, you've tried changing you and it worked for a little bit. It worked for a couple of weeks. And we've all had New Year's resolutions that did not make it till April 29th. Come on, somebody. That's why I got to grow a beard. But where, where can you find relationships where you'll be accepted? Where can you find the kind of relationships where you'll be, you will be challenged to grow? But then because you've tried that and it didn't work, where can you find the kind of relationships where you will not only be challenged to grow, but where you will receive a power, an inspiration, a force working within you that will actually facilitate your growth. Someone that won't just look at you and point a finger, but someone that will come alongside of you and shoulder your burden and walk with you. Where could you find a relationship like that? Doesn't that sound good to anybody? I would even say this morning that we were made for those kinds of relationships. It's why there is something inside of you right now. It's not because I'm a good speaker. It's because you know that what I'm talking about, you wish you could find. You mean there's somebody that's going to love me no matter how broken I am? Tell me how to be better and then give me the ability to be that better version of myself? Yes, please, where do I sign up? We were made for relationships in which we are fully known but yet fully loved. God designed us for that. He put a God-sized hole in our heart. And although we try and fill it up with other things, it will never be satisfied until we come into a restored relationship with our, God, with our God, with our heavenly father, with the one that loves us like no other. But where can you find relationships? Like where in the world, where in Fairfield can you find relationships like that? Where in Fairfield could you find a family of people who are committed to loving the people around them, no matter their background, no matter their history, no matter their circumstances. Where in Fairfield could you find 
a family of people who will love you and in spite of all the chaos going on in the world, that they won't care if you're black or white or a beautiful caramel color like myself. Where in the world, where in Fairfield, can you find a family of people who don't care how much money you have and they don't care how much money you owe, but they want to help you find peace around your finances? Where in Fairfield could I possibly find a group of people who don't want to talk about how many times you've been married, but want to help you make this marriage the kind of marriage that will last forever and ever and ever? Man, where could I find a group of people like that? Where could I find a group of, don't ruin it yet, Ivan. Where could I find a group of people who want to share the space and the moments where I can find forgiveness for my sins, who will talk to me about coming into peace with my creator God and my heavenly father? Where can I find a group of people that will teach me and that will baptize me and love me and walk with me and share homes and share meals with me and walk through life with me and maybe even give me a role where I can turn around and and serve my world that is around. Where in the world could I find an incredible group of people like that? Go ahead. Say it. Say it louder, Ivan. Well, hold on, the rest of you guys. Ivan piped up earlier. Come on. Here. Duh. Here at City Grace. If this is your first time or if it's one of your first times, we want you to know that we are that group of people. We love you. We will welcome you. We will embrace you. We don't want to ask the questions, but we want to point you to something better than you've ever had before. We want to fill your life with moments and relationships. We want to help you fill your life with the spirit and the presence of God, not because we're better than you, but simply because God found us a little bit ahead of you. If our circumstances were reversed, it might be you reaching for me. Whatever the timing, I don't care about that. I just want you to know what I have known. I want you to find what I have found, or rather what has found me. And it is the eternal, unfailing love of my heavenly Father. And it exists for you. Oh, come on. Can you clap your hands and thank God for his love and his mercy and his grace? This is what the Jesus movement, this is what the church is supposed to be. But too many churches aren't this. And it breaks my heart that people don't know Jesus for what he really is. And when you read the stories of Jesus' ministry, like he was always with the wrong kind of people. And the religious people couldn't figure it out, but they didn't understand what I'm talking about this morning, that Jesus came to the hurt and the broken and those that were pushed to the edges. And he said, I will love you as you are, but I can make you better than you are. And he told people time and time and time again that you don't have to change to start following me. But once you start following me, you will change. 
And my life is a testimony to the power of Jesus. My life is a witness to the power of that kind of unconditional and reckless love. But this is what the church is designed for. Now, when I say church, you think church services, but that's not what I'm talking about. When I say church, I'm talking about a group or a family of people who have committed their lives to following Jesus and kind of live life together outside of just church services. And that's my, that might be why some of you have kind of walked away from your faith before, because all you knew about Christianity was coming to church services, but it didn't work. You've heard guys like me say things like this before, but you go home and nothing ever changes. And the problem is you never found the actual relationships where the power of God is lived out. Jesus did not intend for the church to be this as wonderful as this is. This is just part of church life, but the church is us who sit in these pews. The church is us who attend these gatherings. The church is us who plays the music and who sings the song. We are the church. This is not the church. This is a converted pool hall. That's what it is. We came in and had to bust out a wet bar. There's nothing, there's nothing special about this building. What's special is the transformation of the lives that are in this building this morning. We are the church. That's who Jesus planned for us to be, he designed us to be. We're supposed to be the kind of people that love each other. We're supposed to be the kind of people that one another one another. We love one another. We care for one another. We forgive one another. We share with one another. We carry one another's burdens. We laugh with one another. We cry with one another. We pray for one another. And just like we have things that we wish weren't associated with our reputation, I think Jesus has some things that he wishes were not associated with his reputation, like condemnation and judging and ritual and boredom and greed and sleepy and dopey and happy and grumpy and all the rest of the seven dwarves. That's not the Jesus movement that we read about in his biographies. But everywhere he went, the people on the edges were brought into the middle. Everywhere he went, the people who were broken were put back together. Sick people got well. Hungry people were fed. Hopeless people began to hope again. Sinners were forgiven. And we all were given hope and a new chance at life because he lived in relationship. And he meant for us to live in relationship. The transforming power of Jesus is lived, in, lived out in relationship with other Jesus followers. So you need church relationships. You need relationships with Jesus followers. You need to be part of a church, but I'm not saying that you need to be part of a church service. Look at what the early pastor said needed to happen in a church. James, who was the brother of Jesus, said this. When you guys come together, confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I like this word in the, the original Greek. It's saying that you may be made whole. Remember we talked about being a whole person. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be made whole. Now, can you imagine in this environment right here, if I said, okay, what we're going to do for the next few minutes is I want you to get up from where you are and cross an aisle and find somebody you don't really know. And then I want you to confess 
your deepest, darkest sins to them. And then you're gonna wait and they're gonna confess their deepest, darkest sins to you. And I'd suggest you don't go first. No, we would never do that. When we read a verse like that, you think the same thing I think. I'm not doing that. Thank you, Sandra. I ain't doing that. I am not going to do what I do. And what you do is we come to church and we wait, we wait till the music's really loud. And then we say, Jesus, you remember last week? Okay, thank you. And then we completely ignore this verse. We pretend like it didn't happen. It's James 5, 16. I was trying to get to John 3, 16. I landed in the wrong spot. Why do we feel this way? Because we don't want anyone to know our sins. We don't want anyone to find out who we really are and what we really struggle with, which means we don't want people to really know us. But James said, this is what the church is for, for you to live in relationship with people to the point, be in such a relationship to the point where you could actually confess your sins to them and they would not condemn you and they would not push you away but that they would pray for you and that you would get better, that you would be changed, that you would in fact be healed, healed from the inside out. But in rows, you can't do this. In big church, this is never going to happen. There's another first century pastor right at the beginning of this whole Jesus movement. And he, you know, they, they met in homes. They didn't have any big buildings and they ate together and they shared everything they had together. And so he's writing to his, his church members a letter that, you know, history and archaeology have preserved for us. And he says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. This is what we're supposed to be as the church the kind of people living in the kind of relationships where we can think of one another's motivations and we can imagine and know and talk about one another's weaknesses and flaws and failures and then love each other enough to spur one another on to be different than we currently are. You can't spur one another in big church. You'll get arrested. We'll call the cops on you. You can't spur in here, but in a small group, you can know someone enough. In a close relationship, you can know someone close enough that you can help them be better than they currently are. In fact, he goes on. He says, and don't give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. Encourage one another. There's no lone ranger, Christians. We're to live in relationship with each other. All right? Now think, here we are joining together for church, and we are the church. We've read two passages of scripture, three verses, and yet really in this setting and in this context, what you came for today, we can't even do what the Bible is telling us to do. It doesn't work in this setting. It does not work in this context. There is no one anothering here. There's got to be something more to church than maybe what, what we have thought was church all along. And when we came to church and it was just a big service and we came in late and then we left early, maybe that's why Christianity didn't seem like it worked because maybe we weren't really being the church like Jesus intended for us to be the church. 
And then Paul, maybe the most famous pastor of all in the New Testament, he would go and start new churches everywhere and then he'd put somebody else in charge and leave to go start another church. And then he'd write letters back to them and we have one of his letters written to a a church in the city of Galatia and he tells them, listen, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, and by the way, we're starting a new TV show ministry this summer. It's called Sin Catchers and we're gonna start secretly following everybody in the church. And I have every, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore this person gently. This cannot happen here. This cannot happen right now. This happens in phone conversations and in living rooms. This happens over kitchen tables. This happens with tears and brokenness and a cry for help. This happens somewhere other than where we are right now. But this is still what the church is supposed to be doing. What you thought was missing from church. It wasn't really missing from church. It's just missing from the church service. But there is more for you to experience in following Jesus. And I'm telling you, it is awesome. And you need to find it. You need to find it. You need to have a relationship with someone where they can see the real you. And help you be someone better than you currently are. I'm not talking about being transparent just for transparency's sake. I'm talking about getting a coach. Every great athlete at their prime had a coach who could see things in them that they couldn't see in themselves. Michael Jordan at his prime had a coach. Joe Montana at his prime didn't need a coach. Uh, You know, Derek Jeter had a coach. All of these athletes had a coach. They had someone examine them. They had someone film them and they would go break it down and see where their flaws were, where their gaps were. And that coach made them better. And Paul is saying, this is what the church is designed to do. But if this is all you know of church, then of course you're going to be disappointed. And he goes on and he says, look, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. You can't carry someone's burden when you don't know who they are. You can't carry someone's burden when you don't know what their burden is. There's got to be something different. And Paul said, this is how we fulfill the law of Christ. And if you're wondering what the law of Christ is, come back in a couple of weeks and we're going to be talking about it. I thought about giving it away today, but I want you to not have to act surprised in a couple of weeks. So, So where else beside the church? Are you going to get things like this, relationships like this? Where else besides the church are you going to find people who will love you like you are, but spur you on to be somebody even better than you are right now? And parents know what I'm talking about, right? You love your kids unconditionally, but you're still going to make them eat broccoli and do math. Like That's the way God is for us. He loves us as we are, but he is determined because his love is a perfect love. He is determined to transform us and to change us into something that we have never been before. Turn us into something that he always designed and intended for us to be. So where are you going to find these relationships where you can experience transformation? The best place To be transformed is around people who are being transformed. The best place to be transformed is around people who are being transformed. But not just people that are being transformed into anything. 
Not just people that are being transformed into a random set of ideals or a random set of values, but some other people that are being transformed into the ultimate set of ideals and values. Being around people who are being transformed into the image of Jesus. But that can't happen in rows. That won't happen here in this context. It's not close enough. It's not safe, safe enough in here. And look, I, I love in here. I love the music. I love the worship. I love it when Dustin's up here doing his knee bends. I love that stuff. I, I can't do them. I love hearing Stephanie sing that song. She's awesome. David sounded incredible on that guitar today. I love being here. It was so, it inspired me to worship. Ruthie was over here praising so hard, she started hacking up a lung. Did you guys see that? She wasn't singing for like half the second song. I don't know how I still heard voices. Start calling you Millie Vanilli. But I love what happens here. But if this is all you think of when you think of church, this is not enough. And if you tried church before and it didn't work, this may be why you left. Because when you think church, you think church service. And after a while, it just didn't seem like church services mattered. After a while, it didn't seem like church services helped when things got messy and Maybe you went outside the church and I'm not even talking about something bad. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a family member and you found someone outside of here to talk with and to open up to and it was someone real and someone that you could be real with and I'm not taking away from any of those relationships. I'm just pointing out that maybe in that difficult time, what you found out there was meant to be found in here, but you just never found it in here. So when it comes to church, when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to any kind of adult reset to your faith, you've got to know this, that you need circles, not just rows. You need circles, not just rows. Come on and tell somebody around you, you need circles and not just rows. You need to be a part of a group of people who are one anothering one another are loving one another and forgiving one another. That's where change happens. That's where confession and encouragement happens. That's where you fulfill those really important parts of, of being the church that the early pastors talked about. That's where we experience life on life transformation. This is where you find the courage to admit a weakness or a struggle. And the moment you share that in a close group setting with people that you trust, you're going to find somebody else raising their hand and saying, yeah, I struggle with that too. And you're going to realize that, hey, we're not the only couple struggling with that. I'm not the only man that's struggling with this. I'm not the only woman who maybe feels alone. But you find that in the context of a close relationship. And that close relationship is what we call a circle. And that circle is what Jesus meant the church to be. Can I hear an amen from somebody? It's in relationships where you're free to put away the imaginary and expose the real you. But then with prayer and with that spurring and with the encouragement and the love of brothers and sisters in Christ, the love of Jesus that is flowing through them and into us at our lowest and at our worst, that's where we find transformation. When someone values us that much. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever had somebody that just saw you just at a really low moment in life? just a really dark time, but it didn't matter to them. They still loved you. 
That kind of love is transformational. That kind of love will change you. And I'm telling you, if you're a guest here, you can find that here. And church family, I'm telling you that if we're not doing that, then we are not really the church that Jesus intended us to be. But we are to love like he loved and so to fulfill the law of Christ. That's what we're to do. So at City Grace, how do you get into these relationships? How do you get into these circles? At City Grace, we call these small groups. Here's the thing, three weeks from now, our summer semester of small groups is gonna open up for registration. And in three weeks, you can look at all the small groups that we have going on. And in three weeks, you can find a circle that you can be a part of. But the thing is, three weeks is a long time away. So I'm gonna make you a deal this morning. If you will text me your number in three weeks, I'll text you a link to see all of the circles. Now, you're probably thinking, how in the world is that going to happen? But you didn't know I came prepared because I'm trying to be cool, y'all. So if you just text CG Summer to 97000, do it right now. Pull out your phone right now. Come on. Hurry. Pull out your phone. The preacher's telling you to get on your phone during church. Tech, this is not a trick. I'm cool. Text CG, you're laughing at me because I'm not cool. Text CG Summer to 97000. If you will do that in three weeks, in three weeks, not three weeks, in three weeks, I will send you a link to see all of the small groups that we have going on this summer. I'm going to send you two different, uh, no, don't text me, Aneo. Text CG Summer to the number 97000. Aneo just texted me CG Summer to 97000. <laughs> Calling you out, dude. We can be authentic with each other, man. So in the number, put 97000. And then down in the text field, put CG Summer. It'll give you a confirmation message if you do it right. If you do it wrong, see a Neo after church and he'll help you out. But listen, I promise you, I will not spam. I will not sell your info. I'm going to send you two messages. I'll send you one in three weeks to let you know they're opened up and how to get there. And I'll send you a second text about a week after that just to follow up. And that's all I'm going to do. But you need circles, not just rows. You need to live in a relationship not just slip in and slip out of church services. You need people in your life who know the real you and who love you as you are, but who spur you and provoke you, one scripture says, and push you to be the best possible version of yourself. And that can happen here. It can happen here at City Grace. I know it can. I know it can. I am in in thinking about closing this out and everything. Friday night after uh, prayer, Chelsea and I went over to uh, James and and Jennifer's small group, and uh, it was their last night of their small group. They just ended the we just ended the spring semester of our small groups, and uh, they had a fantastic small group by the way. It was game night and. And uh, there's lots of friendships and relationships kind of being solidified there, and it was a lot of fun to be a part of. And the men won at charades. Mm. 
because we're in the big leagues. Carlos, that's right. Nailed that little mermaid thing. You guys should have seen James McMurray. <laughs> you guys should have seen James. You guys got to ask James McGarity at the park when you see, is James here? At the park, when you guys see James McGarity, ask him to act out the charade for giving birth. He did it. It was hilarious. You got to say but we had a blast. It was fun. And Chelsea and I were there. We're kind of sitting off to the side. You know, everybody's kind of playing over here. And off to the side, you know, the little babies were playing and, and that kind of thing. And there's, you know, I don't know, a Disney show on, on the little thing. And, and, and Zaya, are Melanie and Ramon here this morning? There you go. Zaya was there playing. She's about two, somewhere around there. And, and Melanie or Chelsea can correct me if I get any of this wrong. Banner was there, James and Jennifer's little girl. And she had just gotten her pajamas on. Chelsea turned to Zaya and she said, Zaya, give me a hug. And Zaya, for whatever reason, she heard the word hug, but she didn't look at Chelsea. When she looked up, she looked at Banner. So, you know, two-year-old looking at two-year-old. It was real cute. And she starts, you know, she immediately puts her hands up, you know, kind of starts doing the, the two-year-old zombie walk, you know, with a real high knees kind of thing. And she gets over by Banner and reaches to give her a hug, but she kind of miscalculated the distance between her and Banner. So she's leaning forward to give her a hug and she's like, she's starting to fall over, right? So she grabs onto Banner's PJs, but like by now her head is below the level of her arm. She actually headbutts Banner in the stomach, you know? And like now Banner backs up and when Banner backs up, Zaya just face plants right in the carpet, just poof. And so Melanie jumps up to go over to help her up. And Zaya's kind of climbing up on her own. And she's hugging Banner's legs. And she's, she's still determined to give her that hug. You know, just, yeah. And we did exactly what you did right now. Oh, come on. One, two, three. As I was thinking about how to close out this message today, I, that, that came to my brain because talking about religion is awkward sometimes. Right? They say, oh, avoid religion and avoid politics. And here we are to talk about religion. And now I'm going to talk about, no, I'm just kidding. It gets awkward sometimes. But I want you to know this. That was such a great picture of City Grace and what we're trying to do. And if you're a friend or a family member, or a coworker, or neighbor, and you're here today because someone at City Grace invited you, we love you. I just want you to know we're reaching for you. And we may not all get, always get it right, we may stumble and fall over. We may headbutt you in the stomach sometimes. But just know if we do offend you or do something like that, it's because we're reaching for you. And we might be clumsy at it. We might not be very good at it. But we're trying to embrace you. And we want you to know that this is a place where you can be real. And you can let down all of the pretend. You can do away with the facade. And you can be who you really are. And we love you as you really are because Jesus has loved us for who we really were. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I am telling you, nobody that's a part of the City Grace family thinks that they are better than anyone who is not yet a part of the City Grace family. And if they do, sorry, but you're not really part of the City Grace family. That's not what we're about but we are here to love you and embrace you, to walk through life with you and to share with you and to encourage you, to pull out a chair so you can kick your feet under our tables and to, to give you food and to, to listen to you and to talk with you and just to do life. We, we wanna pray with you. And then once you feel comfortable praying, we want you to pray for us. We all could use more prayer. Can I get a good amen from somebody? 
please pray for me. I don't care if this is your first time or you're not even really here today. Please pray for me. We love you. We embrace you and we want you to know this is a place where you don't have to pretend anymore. You can join our circles. You can join our small groups. This is a place where you will find space and services like this, moments like this, where you can come to peace with God. This is a place and these are moments where you can find reconciliation with your heavenly father. You can confess your sins to him. If you want help for your future, you can talk to somebody that you become friends with in the church family as well. You can find that here. We will baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. We're gonna do it in three weeks. We will help you get all of your sins washed away and come out of that water to live a brand new life. We will teach you what it means and what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to walk in a whole new way, to be a whole different kind of person. And we do it not from a place of being know-it-alls, but because we have been broken and we have been hurt. But somebody loved us as we were. And in a place like this, in a church like this, with people, like the people sitting all around you and with the people like you're gonna find in your summer small groups, I'm telling you, we found change. And it's the best thing that ever happened to us. For more information about City Grace, you can find us online at citygrace.church. We'll see you next week.